On and welcome to Hitting Hustle from IrishSportsDaily.com. I am your host, Greg Flamong, and with me, as always, is Jamie Uyama, Jamie University, and we are also joined by Drew Mentok of Irish Sports Daily, and we're going to be talking about uh, the game rewatch notes. Uh, we, I think we've all watched the game back, and we've got some uh, more extended thoughts on uh, what we saw in the game, uh, other than you know the the post game instant reaction where we hadn't actually looked at the film, which is first impressions. So we're going to talk about that stuff. We're going to talk about uh, the quarterbacks. We're going to talk about uh, offensive line. I think there's a lot more in depth that we can go on the line, and there's also um, roster stuff that we're going to talk about. Prince Collie, uh, sophomore or soon to be junior linebacker, entered the portal yesterday. So we're going to be talking about those things. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, if this is your first time catching the show, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell. Uh, links to our podcast are in the description below. And before we get started, I want to talk to everybody about uh, ESQ Clothing, our sponsor. And if you're looking to upgrade uh, your wardrobe this spring, ESQ has created the world's first bamboo dress shirt. Uh, it's crafted from high-quality bamboo fabric. It's the softest and most comfortable shirt you'll ever put on. It's not only more sustainable than cotton, it feels cooler, has stretch, odor, and wrinkle-resistant, machine washable. You've seen uh, ESQ's one-piece collar bamboo shirt on every photo of Marcus Freeman. It's the perfect shirt for today's business meeting. Head out for a night out. So check out ESQClothing.com. Upgrade your shirt game. And as I always say, you know, we love Marcus Freeman and his Under Armour gear that you can't get. You can get this. You can get the, the dress shirts that Marcus Freeman is wearing out on the uh, on recruiting visits, uh, the player walk, and that sort of thing. Easter photos, he's wearing uh, ESQ clothing and Easter photos as well. So check it out. Uh, it's really good stuff, ESQclothing.com. All right, boys. We've rewatched the game. We've rewatched, and uh, I've got some takeaways, and I want to start off with the quarterbacks. And um, I it, it, the thing that struck out that stuck out to me about – uh, Sam Hartman was, I think how easy it looked, you know, it all looked very easy. It all looked very repeatable. And I think that's the thing that I think, you know, people are trying to, trying to put their finger on what exactly it was they were happy about. Um, and, and it looked easy. It looked simple, like didn't do anything spectacular. Um, that was my mind, my main takeaway. Was there any takeaway? Uh, we'll start with you, Jamie, and then we'll go on to Drew. Yeah, I just think he looked comfortable um, in a way that, uh, you know, and I'll let Drew kind of expand on it too, but definitely yeah. like he he looked comfortable in a way he didn't earlier when they had the open practices, um, which kind of made, I mean, it's one, and it's also one thing to hear about how, oh, he led the um, the game winning drive in the scrimmage. And it's another thing to see it, right? And yeah. everybody got the chance to see it. And I think it was, um, I, I think just watching it uh, a few times now, I just came away more impressed with just how everything in terms of like uh, his decision, decision-making um, outside of the one where he probably should have threw it in the stands or whatever. But then uh, other than that, like, I mean, he was pretty darn good with just everything, the ball placement on, on, on a lot of things. Um, there were some third downs where, you know, he had to make the throw and had to make like really good throws and coverage was good. Like coverage was good on some of these. The one, uh, two throws really stuck up, stuck out to me. One, it was to Jaden Greathouse on a third and four. He hit him on a slant and it was like, it was like, it had to be there out at that time, right? Right. Perfect ball placement because DJ Brown was coming in and closing in on that quick. And you know, I mean, it was a good catch and stuff, but it was a perfect throw. And then the other one was the Davis Sherwood, thing, which was a heck of a catch. 
by David Sherwood, by the way, who, you know, you're known as kind of like a blocker. He's yeah. going to be like an H-back fullback type, really good catch over the middle where Harbin's first read wasn't there. He had to sit back, go through his progressions. And then, and that's something that you, I saw a ton of uh, from him in Wake Forest is him going through his reads, making the decisions, making that throw over the middle and putting it on a guy, putting it on a guy where only his guy could catch it. And I think one of the things with him too, that there was like this thing going uh, of just people who are skeptical, right. About, um, about him and and his accuracy because they looked at the, the, the numbers, right. The raw numbers. And you say, Oh, well, his his raw numbers that, you know, aren't that good. One guy threw deep way more than, than a lot of other people. So like, that's always going to skew the numbers. The other thing is, if you look at, you know, adjusted completion percentage with PFF does, he's top five in the country and adjusted it on intermediate routes, right? He had a ton of drops that kind of contributed to um, what what happened there. And if you just watch the film and you just saw the throws he made, you'd be like, oh, no, like this guy is accurate. He is is very accurate. So just accuracy, decision-making, um, just looking comfortable in the offense, uh, the, the the RPO stuff. How do you look great? Yeah, what did what did you what did you see, Drew? Especially in contrast to um, the open practices that you were able to see. So you were, uh, I think, Jamie was at the first open practice, and we talked extensively about that. But the second open practice was uh, impromptu, so it's not like we 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 obviously couldn't send yeah. Jamie on a uh, on on a on a private jet to get out to practice when they they told us about it uh five minutes before it happened so but you were there so tell us how did he look in contrast to uh the, the second open practice that you saw yeah well just to add to that i mean they told us at the moment of the like we were supposed to leave after period nine and they're like you can stay so there yeah there's no way to prepare for yeah. that but yeah i mean i think we saw in that practice like he just didn't kind of seem comfortable he didn't you know i mean it was a blitz day he was getting pressured quite a bit but and and he was with the second team offensive line a little more worse as this day in the blue goal game i mean if especially if spindler ends up getting the start you know he had you know three or four first team guys out there but yeah he definitely looked comfortable it was you know he didn't probably even have a chance to go through his reads like we got to see him doing the blue goal game where you know he kind of went through them pretty quickly found the open man um right away so I, I think um like jamie said like you saw what you could do at wake forest we just hadn't really had a chance yeah. to to see that in practice maybe given what the defense is working on that day but also you know he's still learning what it's like to to huddle and, and go under center and i guess you really want to take into account like when you're trying to improve on several different things at once you know it's probably all going to come progressively like it's not like he even just had one thing to, to focus on in that respect so yeah, what did you? Uh, what was your takeaway from the spring, like the spring game itself? Um, I mean, I think it was big to to, to kind of see Hartman do that. I I kind of am more in the camp where it's really hard to take away a, a ton from the spring, just because things are mm-hmm. things are so different. Um, you know, with the you're mixing in starters, and and it's not like teams even have a chance to like work with those those different units they're they're with but i mean i think seeing hartman do it seeing him kind of step up with you know on a naturally broadcast practice things like that like i think that was 
was by far the the biggest takeaway that and and what he can do behind you know a really good offensive line, especially on the left side. Yeah, and I, I one of my things you know just kind of rewatching it is like, of course, there's kind of a lot of hyperbole that comes out from fans about you know finally we have a quarterback that can do X thing, and it's like I didn't see anything in the game that other quarterbacks haven't done or couldn't do, and I, I and I think that's kind of you know. I, I think that's kind of a good thing too, right? Like we, we, we got to keep remembering like this is, he's been in the offense for a couple months. He found out who his offensive coordinator was in like late February or early March. I can't remember exactly when it was, but like he, he seemed like he'd been in the offense for um, years. You know, he just, the way he ran it, how comfortable he was knowing where to go with the ball uh, knew where his outlets were going to be. Right. Like he had one where he hit, uh, he hit, um uh Jabron Payne on a little just dump off right like he got some pressure in his face shuffled left hit Jabron Payne on a dump off Jabron Payne's able to get some yards and it's like that's going to be a dead play right and he's able to do that and it's like his comfort there I think you know just that that piece of it I think that's really encouraging that he was able to look so comfortable within the offense knowing where to go with the ball knowing where all the routes were going to be especially in contrast to Buckner and you know we can transition to him now like that was the thing to me where it's like that's always kind of been an issue for him is knowing where to go with the ball. And I'm 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 wondering if you noticed the same thing, Jamie, but on the first play of the game, on his first play of the game, you know, we were talking about it on the instant reaction and and we were wondering about the protection. He slides the protection right. They bring blitz from the the opposite side from where they're sliding from. So he knows is going to come free, right? Like, and as you mentioned on the, on the stream, like the quarterback is responsible for that free rusher. If you're going to send the D or you're going to send the offensive line to the other side. And it would have been fine because behind him, Holden Stace just hooks up right behind. He's completely uncovered and, and he's looking to the right. And, and if you watch the play, he's lucky. Like if, if, if Batello doesn't miss his arm, you know, or like doesn't hit the ball by accident, basically wasn't trying to, if he doesn't hit the ball by accident and he throws that pass, I think he's going to Tyree and it's going to get intercepted probably for a touchdown, which doesn't look good. Right. And so that's just kind of an example where there were lots of times where it's like, you're not really looking to the right side of the field, the correct side. I mean, you, you, you know, the, the one pick six or that he almost threw to uh, Jaden Osbury on the other side of the field, you got Holden stays running the same route with no one jumping the route and Jaden Osbury jumped it immediately. Right. He had to see it. So um, did you notice that, Jamie? What, what do you what do you make of that? Well, one, I think as I kind of rewatched it, I don't think he played as bad as I originally thought. Um, you know, in terms of like, I don't think he got a ton. I mean, not just from the protection or whatever, but he didn't get a ton of help. Like there was just like some plays like Audric Estemi, like, it, it, you know, dropped a pass for him. Um, I can't remember. Like there was an. Uh, you know, Colsey, it would have been a tough catch over the middle, but, you know, he didn't catch it. Uh, Tobias dropped one. It was a little high, but he still got to get it, right? Like, there was just things like that where it was like, uh, give this guy a little bit of help here. I, I think that – so when you compound that stuff with those other things that you're talking about, and then I think it looks like a really horrible day, right? But um, I don't think some of that stuff wasn't as bad. But I'll, I'll, I'll agree that pre-snap, I think is the main difference between those guys right now. If you're just looking at this day, right? If you're looking at this day, you'd say Hartman. I mean, he, he was in control pre-snap and that's why the ball was out so quickly. It was, you know, 
it, it was out accurately. It was, he was comfortable. He knew exactly like, this is where the cover, this is what the coverage is. This is whatever. And that's how it should look on, especially in a spring game. Right. Um, because they're not bringing too much. And obviously I think, I think if you go back to and look at it, that was just a, I, I don't know how much to, if like having uh, Ashton Craig was the center on that one first play. Right. Like yeah. How much, if that was Corell, if he was, if there would be some kind of communication where that wouldn't have been a slide, because it, I mean, just seeing it after the fact, it was like, this made no sense to slide the protection that way. So I don't know what happened specifically there, but there was just, I always think with, with Buckner and, and kind of a little bit with the Gator Bowl too, he looks almost better when the play breaks down or if it's like, he does have pressure in his face and he has to like, change an arm angle or whatever you saw that kind of like just at the beginning of the second half where there was like doing some RPO stuff. You had to do like a little dump out the holding stays um, where uh, they went tempo on that one drive and he looked really good on that one drive. Yeah. Right. Like where it's like quick and he's not like overthinking it, but it's like, if he has to go back and uh, go through all his reads in the pocket and, and go through all his progression stuff, it's, it's not there. It's not processing the same way. It definitely didn't look like that compared to Hartman in, in this game. Right. So that I think was, um, you know, the, the biggest difference between the, the two, um, you know, um, I, I mean, I think James Lawrence brings James Lawrence. He brings up a good point. Uh, Sam Hartman, six year quarterback going against a mostly base defense. He should look good. Yeah, for sure. He should that, but he did. So that's why, I think people should feel good about it because that's how you want someone to look. And if he didn't, then you'd have some questions. You're like, okay, well, I guess you're going to have to wait till summer for him to kind of get it figured out. Or maybe he doesn't feel comfortable in the offense, but I think he did look comfortable in the offense. And, and uh, I mean, I think that, that part is good. And just Buckner, I just think it was mostly just pre-snap. I think that was the biggest thing. That was the thing for me. I mean, I, it's true. Like, Hartman should look good. True, right? No problem. But like yeah. Buckner should look good too. It's his third year in the offense. Like he it's not like it's not like he's a true freshman now. You know what I mean? Like that's the that's another part. Like just thinking of Buckner, like he should be knowing where to go with the ball. And and you know who he reminds me of? And so like during COVID. Well, okay, okay. But also we need to say the the difference between the teams was was massive. The the offensive line specifically. The like Drew said, I think there's a good chance there, there, that might be like four starters yeah. on that uh, on yeah. the one line compared to one on the other and one, I, right? Like, yeah, you could argue that Wagner might be the best second teamer based on what I mean. He had yeah. some some misses, but I mean, I think he outplayed Baker. Like that was that was a oh, for good, sure. solid offensive line and the defensive ends and, and the, the defensive line. There's a big too, difference. So yeah, yeah. It was yeah. Like, there were a lot. There were there were a lot of starters. So there were a lot that, of starters against reserves on, yeah. on the, the blue, the blue offense. Definitely. Yeah. So I think some of that matters. I also, something I really noticed in the rewatch with Buckner, is just that the wide receivers were, you know, those are better blocking wide receivers too. Like you mentioned kind of that first series in the second half, like Chris Tyree had to block Jaden Osper on, on those first two plays. And if he does, those are probably decent games, but I mean, Tyree's obviously you know newer to that position, and that that's kind of a big ask. But I think on both those, uh, that nice kind of throw to stays, like you know, uh, 
Kyrie got blown up and then they went the other way to Merriweather and, and the same thing, exact thing happened. So I, I think if that's Jaden Greathouse blocking or something like that, or, or Jaden Thomas, especially like that's, those are probably better games and maybe he gets a little more comfortable and it's not just third and long. As Drew, were you used? So you saw the open practices, right? Mm-hmm. Were, were, how surprised were you? Like, did you expect Buckner to look better? Just uh, caveats, caveats uh all thrown out right like they're we've we've talked about the differences but did did you expect him to look better like were you surprised and what did you see in the open practices that like was in stark contrast to the game itself right because obviously at this point like everyone is uh you know doesn't like I, i think people think that if we report if the media reports that someone looks good and then they don't look good it's almost like a media agenda like we're trying to spin a narrative like that's really not it like like you you report on what you see and so t- tell me what was the biggest difference for you it's like wow he really didn't do this stuff in practice and then it came out in the game so like what did you see in practices that you thought it was um so much different yeah i mean i think he just didn't look as poised like i think some of those like he had that one throw over the middle to to estimate that if he hits him in stride like he had time on that one he missed it like I, on I, the arrow route yeah yeah like he just missed that. There's one where he kind of could have hit Tyree in the flat and Cross was in his face. Like I feel like that's the kind of play I would he would have made in in practice, but instead he kind of just hurried things and kind of threw it into the ground almost. So I, mm-hmm. I think he, you know, we saw him both on blitz days, and I, I think he he handled the pressure. He didn't. He almost seemed to like rush himself when I know that seemed that's probably like a, a younger quarterback reaction to you see pressure and you, you kind of rush your mechanics or whatever and, and things aren't where you want them to be and that kind of seemed to me like what he reverted back to in the game and i don't know if it was because he felt like he had to do more because the protection was so bad or or it was being back in front of fans or, or what it was but i i would definitely say that was you know of the three full practices we got to see that was definitely the, the worst i saw from him this spring um westwood manor films is asking how to fix the uh the o-line issue um in terms of future blue gold games like the discrepancy and if there's going to be a draft and that sort of thing um i feel like we could come up with a way to fix it i do think any changes to the blue gold game format at this point would be one that we don't like um in terms of like i don't i don't i don't know how big a fan marcus freeman is of the the format period. So like, I, I don't, I don't know that he even likes the blue gold game um, in terms of putting it on. Um, but I think Probably you know, any coach likes the spring. Game. Yeah. They don't, they don't like it. So I, I think any change would be a negative one. Um, I, I think what we, they could do is they could just do offense versus defense. And it's not a, it's not like teams or anything like that. Um, that's what they could do. It's, it's one of those things. Like I think Buckner just got it, it, the real difference is that, the gold team got Carell, and yes, Carell was a big difference. That, that was the swing guy, and he was just that wasn't even drafted. It was just pre-designed. Yes, because um, they both get a tackle, but just like having that extra starter at center, and there's only one starter at center. Like someone was always going to get kind of screwed by that, uh, just swing right there, um, and that makes it tough. You know, it just makes it uh, really difficult. I I, I think. Yeah, I think that's something that probably isn't talked about enough. I mentioned it just briefly on Power Hour, how, like, the difference between Carell, who's – this is literally his fifth spring, and this is Ashton Craig's first spring. Yeah. Like, that's 
a huge difference in the center. And that guy has so much to do with the success of the guards, um, yeah. the success of the protection, all that, all of that stuff. Right. So I think that is a pretty big difference. And um, I think they want to keep it light. They want to keep it fun. That's why they do the draft and all that. And I get it. That's good. Like, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. That's good. Um, also too, I don't think people should overreact to any of it. It's a freaking spring game. Like no one, I, I, as kind of Tyler Buckner, when he was being interviewed during the thing, he kind of said like, you know, it's a spring game. It's not the same. Like they're not, everyone will overreact. Uh, all Notre Dame fans will overreact and be like Hartman QB one book it like Heisman. Right. Like that's how, like, there's a lot, there was a lot of that kind of stuff on message boards after. Um, but really like, he's not even working with the total like first team going against the first team defense, like of what they're doing. That's not, that isn't going to determine, determine any of his success or Tyler Buckner's failure or whatever. That scrimmage matters. The one that we weren't at matters way more, way more. Um, And him like leading a, a drive against the first team defense, to win the scrimmage at the end of the game, like that's a big deal. That's a much bigger deal than anything he did in the spring game. Um, but you know, we got to talk about this stuff. There's we don't we only get to see, especially if you're if you're a fan and you're not part of the media and you're maybe you're reading practice reports or whatever. But some of these people don't even read the practice reports. Whatever they just they they don't even care. This is all they watch and they just that's what they they base it on. And I get it. Like, I, it's hard to not watch it and overthink things when you do it. It's not. To, it's hard to not watch, like, say, Jordan Batello in this thing and be like, man, he looks like 15 sacks, like whatever, right? It's, it's hard not to just overreact to it, but that's – it's it's a spring game, right? You don't want to junior jabby it. Like, you know, you don't want to just totally just get over uh, excited about just this guy did this and this. It's the spring game. Yeah, and I do feel for fans, um, and, and just like Cape Cod is kind of making the point, like every touch pass or every touch pass incompletion is scrutinized. So I disagree; it's only a spring game. Tons on the line. We finally saw it live. And, and to the to his point, like it's hard for fans because well, for Cape Cod, I'm saying ta- I'm saying it does matter. I'm just saying for the coaching staff compared to this, it's like on the list of practices, it's it's the spring game is somewhere at as with the non-padded practices that's right. where it counts so like so so we're trying so like james uh lawrence zenzi he's he's bringing up like how can we fix the spring game well the thing because we want to see it equal right we want to see it where it's like everyone's on equal footing that's what the jersey scrimmage is that we don't get to see that no one yeah. gets to see you know so like that's that's what we're that's what the points jamie's making it's like it, it matters to like every practice matters, but it like the one that like this game matters the most to us because this is the one we get to see and break down film and do all these other things. Right. But the one that matters to the coaches is the one that's the Jersey scrimmage, you know, and that's the one where it's offense versus defense and it's good versus good. And that's the one that's like, that's where we're really evaluating. You know, when I say we, I mean, I'm talking from a coaching point of view, that's where they are evaluating, like where they are, where players are, at this point in, you know, the spring. Right. So um, that's the point that Jamie's making. It's like, it's an important one, but 
in the in the spectrum of it, the important practices that the, for the coaches, the spring game isn't on the top, and so that's why um, that's why everyone's just kind of like whatever about it. Like Tyler Buckner is like, ah, you know, it is what it is. Like I didn't have a good game. Unfortunately for him, this is the one that's on TV, right? And we don't know how he really specifically played in the spring in the Jersey game, so um, we're gonna have to just uh, you know go off what we saw. Um, and speaking of what we saw, uh, offensive line, Jamie. Where where do you uh, where do you think the offensive line uh, you know on the rewatch what did you see who you know did anyone confirm like yeah like I really liked Rocco Spindler and I liked him again on the rewatch was there someone else who stood out what what, what did you see from that Jake I think I saw saw a lot of good things from um, I would say probably like the top like seven or eight guys yeah. really right I think um, you kind of see. Um, maybe even, I would say maybe even like nine or whatever there, there, there's, there's a lot of good stuff from a lot of guys. Um, I mean, Alton Fisher, you just kind of just, whatever, they're great. You don't yeah. really have to worry about them. I, I think they looked exactly how you expect them to look. Um, I thought Zeke Corral, um, to me, uh, when you just look at the way he worked, I thought him playing with, uh, Billy Shrouth and Rocco Spindler made both of those guys look better. And also give, that is something that gives Joe Rudolph another look to see these guys working with him. Let's just say, if, yeah. I, I don't know for sure how they've divvied up the, the reps, whatever, but if Rocco was working with um, the twos and Ashton Craig more, well, then you get to see him work with Corell. And there was a difference there. I thought they had some – both of those guys, uh, both those guards with Carell had some nice combo blocks that really worked well together. Um, so I think that that stood out. I think Billy Shrouth I thought looked good in the run game. I think I there was some worrying stuff about him in pass pro. He had a really tough time anchoring. He got walked um, back a lot. He got walked back by Riley Mills, by Jason Onye a couple times. Um and that is concerning. I think, you know, be, and it's not, it's concerning for this year. It's not concerning for his like long-term future. It is like, this guy's going to whatever. But I think one of the things is people just think, oh, you're big. You should be able to anchor against the bull rush. That's whatever. It's like, it's technique, right? Yeah. It's technique. And like, you could just see where Anya got like inside of him, like on, on, on these plays. And like, he just, or he just didn't establish his hands right like if you're gonna hard set and some guy's gonna bull rush you like if you're outside you're done you're done right and that's that was the case really um with him there it's not that he wasn't i'd like to fight in those plays like he was kept trying to fight he wasn't like giving up or anything uh but yeah that that is something to worry about i thought like i think in general i think rocco actually looked better just in one-on-one pass pro stuff than 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 him and i thought rocco like did a nice job, some double team stuff. Like I said, did a nice job on the one, uh, Jabron Payne, big run. You know, yeah. I know Drake Bowen took, you know, he didn't do a good job, like getting into his gap. And that was one of the reasons for it, but still Rocco went and sealed them, sealed off. them like, off. That was, yeah. it, was, it was a good play. Um, I'll totally agree with Drew. I thought Emil Wagner looked really good. I think Emil Wagner, once he gets big enough, I think he's going to be a heck of a player for Notre Dame. I think he's going to be really good. And he's someone that I want to see like where he's at in terms of his weight in the fall. Can he get to like 290 by, by the time they get to the fall or 295 or whatever, because 
if that's the case, then I think there's a good chance that he's the third tackle, right? Because I think um, he's just a little bit more consistent than Tosh Baker. I think that's pretty much it. And then, I, I mean, I saw some good stuff from like Pat Coogan as well at, at left guard. I mean, I, I don't think he was uh, like fantastic, but I, I saw some things to build off there where I'm like, oh, he can compete. And I think this is a guy who can play. Um, and I thought Christophic too, when he was out at tackle and they had to play an extra right tackle. I mean, he didn't look good, but he's not a tackle. He's just, he doesn't yeah. have to worry about that. But when he was working with Fisher at him right guard, that right side, they look good. They look good together. So that's why, too, I think people will get excited about, um, you know, Rocco Spindler, like having a good day or like Billy Shrouth working with uh, and what, what he did with Corral. Particularly, there was like a really good like third and one where he just did, did a great job on a double with with Corral where they converted um, just near the goal line. Um but I, I still think Christophic, I think if it end if they ended today, I, I would guess that he would probably start, um, you know, based on experience, being able to like do things like pick up stunts and, and, and all that. Um, I think that's something that just stands out with like a guy like him a little bit more is that when you when you've been and you've played and you're more comfortable with those things and passing stuff off, you see it and you you've you've seen that at full speed at a different game speed than than some of those other guys and i think that's probably the big difference but um yeah i mean i think i came out of just like this entire spring thinking that um where i know we didn't that 2021 spring we didn't get to see that much from yeah. them. i mean they didn't open the practices right um but I had heard a lot of like not good things about uh, the guard play in that spring, which was not surprising that they had to go out and get Kane Madden, um, you know, that year. And even though Kane Madden, I think was the jump was a little bit too big for him, uh, you know, from conference USA to, to Notre Dame. And I think you could kind of see that. Um, I don't think that Notre Dame will have to go out and get anyone at guard this year. I think they're going to be fine. They have enough guys that um, are going to get better, are going to progress. Like they still got a whole fall camp. You still got basically like a whole month of the season until you get to Ohio state. Um, and I think the fact that Zeke Corral looks so good, I think he really looks like he's really come into his own. Um, I think that makes me feel a heck of a lot better about the offensive line going out of the spring. I think, I think the way I see it is, they wouldn't take Kane Madden this year. No, they wouldn't. If they, if someone better came than maybe, but um, yeah, you know, that, but that's kind of the case for a lot of positions. Um, Drew, was there anyone, uh, let's start on the offensive line. Was there anyone uh, in the game that surprised you? Did you see Rocco Spindler trending uh, prior to the spring game? Was that kind of a thing that was on your radar um, prior to the game happening? Yeah, definitely. And he did, the, you know, the last open practice we got, he, he did look better. And, and I think just in general, even in the first one that, that Jamie was at, he had he moved a little better than I, I think kind of we had thought. So I think he had definitely been been trending. I thought, yeah, I thought he looked pretty, pretty good. Um, Wagner, you know, already touched on like I was pretty happy with him. Um, I'm trying to think. I think Fisher, like he looked good. He he did. I think he gave up two sacks. I want to say, or maybe there was one. Maybe he gave up a sack, and then there's one other play where like Go Briar kind of got around him. But I, mm -hmm. I mean, it's the spring game. Um, 
So I didn't read too much into that. But um, then the only other thing I want to add on Craig too is is kind of what Jamie's talking about with just like the, the communication and stuff is like at the start until uh, Carmody went down, Coogan was the second string center and Craig was the third string too. So I think that's worth noting is that a month ago, he was the kind of the, again, the freshman third string guy. So he's um, really has a lot of catching up between him and Zeke Carell. So. Yeah. I mean, Zeke Carell at this point was essentially where Ashton Craig is now, you know, I mean, so it's like at this point, it was just, wasn't, he wasn't very big. He wasn't very, uh, he wasn't super powerful. Right. Like that was just, his thing and obviously he's grown into the player that he is now i mean think about last spring i would say craig is probably ahead of where Carell yeah 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 because yeah. last spring i mean zeke Carell was like are you do you do you have a role in this program and you know now he's like oh yeah he I, people really were talking about is he gonna yeah. go into the portal yeah 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 so I, I think ashton craig is ahead of the curve um we're just talking about the the, the vast difference uh, between the two players um, at this point. Um, and it's going to make a huge difference on the offensive line, right? Because, you know, Carell's been with with uh, Matt Bayless now for, like you said, what, five years or six years or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So it's that, that's a huge that's a huge deal. Yeah. Um, um, I And I just – Dave made a mention in the comments about Craig. Um, I don't think anyone expected – we're not trying to rip on him yeah, at all. We, like, we're, we're, I don't think I we're think down we're, on, on what his long-term future is going to be. I think it's just a reality of like, yeah, it was his first ring. It was yeah, his first ring. Right. So he's, and, and like uh, what Drew mentioned about like how he went from third team to second team quickly. And it's just a different ball game, right? You're, you're going against better players. Right. And then all of a sudden you're in the spring game and instead of going against, uh, you know, some of like the, you know, a, a third team guy, Aiden Kayanaina, you're going against Howard Cross, right? And it's, it's harder, right? Like you, you have to do, uh, you know, you have to be able to step up and it's just, that's just an adjustment. And for all we know too, like Ashton Craig is the guy that all of a sudden we could be like, whoa, he took a big jump. There's a, there's so much progress these guys make um, really from like month to month really, especially when you're young on the offensive line too. So um, I think Ashton Craig, like everything I've heard about him too, is that I think he's a guy who's got a chance to be like a multi-year starter at at some point at Notre Dame too. So I I wouldn't be down on him at all. Yeah. Yeah. And he carries the weight. Well, like I think Corral, we had that concern. Like, can he stay at 300? Like he's bigger than Corral for sure. Whereas he's at, I mean, he's listed at 296 and he looks at like, I I don't think we're ever going to have to worry about him. Like, oh, is he going to be able to, yeah, to be big enough. So yeah, Drew, have you heard anything on uh, Billy Strouth? He had a minor tweak or something more serious. I know he was kind of injured uh, in that game. Did you hear I anything about that? Mm-mm. I mean, it's kind of like I would say, like if we haven't heard anything by now, it's fine. Uh, but that's kind of what we said about Logan Diggs too, and it turned out to be a pretty serious thing with his shoulder. So we're gonna have to um, we're gonna have to find out. I mean, I'm sure the staff, is, you know, they're doing some recruiting stuff, but they're probably gonna be. Uh, I don't want to say vacation, but just not as available as they have been for the previous couple months. So um, we're after we're just going to have to see and wait for some updates on uh, on him. Uh, Drew, anyone else from the game that popped to you? You know, Jamie and I have uh, we've talked a lot about the game itself. Was there anyone else that you wanted to talk about um, that popped just like you saw in practices and then it carried over to uh, the spring game itself? Um, 
I mean, I think just the Jaden Thomas, I didn't think always looked amazing in the spring practice we saw. Obviously, you know, different different scenario. But just to see his ability to get open, I mean, he made Clarence Lewis look like a, a first or second year player in a lot of those just getting open consistently. He beat uh, Ben Morrison on one of yeah, those plays. Like, he just – his ability to get open and just kind of seeing it in that setting was really um, – impressive and yeah i mean that's clarence lewis athletically that's somebody you think he should be able to kind of stick with and and he couldn't so really quickly on clarence lewis jamie is this his fourth spring is that right no i think it's his mm-hmm. third it's his third, his third spring yeah because he he wasn't an early enrollee he was a um a guy who came in the summer um and i mean to be fair too he came uh in the summer when it was uh um like covid so COVID. it was like got not it. Okay. um got it you're it right, right. Not a, 2020 so he he didn't really have like which is makes it even crazier that he played as a freshman and started as a freshman because yeah. they like didn't really have a camp like they couldn't have a full camp because like school was like the anyways the schedule was all messed up that year yeah um yeah he was like kind of thrown into the fire there he yeah. he just you know, anytime a DB shows up, like no gloves, like just kind of, it's like, listen, you always wear gloves and now you're not wearing gloves. He's like, look, I, I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. In the spring game, I don't yes. really care. Like a lot of, uh, like a lot of his stuff was, was just yes. like 90%, not a hundred percent. And look, like you missed the tackle that costs you a touchdown against Jaden yeah. Thomas. You get beat on the post route by Jaden Thomas. Like there was a lot of stuff from him. It's just like, I don't, uh, I'm not really into the spring game stuff. I'm trying not to get hurt. Um, and I think there's a lot of guys like that too, like veterans. And he was playing like outside. He's yeah. going to be playing nickel. I think. Right. Like played no nickel most- in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, I, I would say as the, as an, as an outside corner, he's probably going to be the fourth maybe even fifth corner. Right. So he's probably going to be more of a nickel for Notre Dame. And and that's where he was working pretty much exclusively all spring. So yeah, I mean, I don't think, uh, yeah, I don't think it's anything to get worked up about. I mean, in saying that that has always been the thing where he got, when he got uh, cooked by Thomas on the deep ball, that's always been his thing. It's like, he, can he stay with a guy vertically and he's never been that guy that has um, – he doesn't have that elite speed, right? So he, he's he's not a guy, too, um, who's going to uh, catch a lot of guys that um, are faster than him, which is why nickel is kind of a better job for him because they're not going to ask him to do too much of, like, running vertical with, with, right. with slots. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen too often. Yeah. And uh, they did put Ryan Barnes in at safety a few times. I saw him out there. He 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 leads the team in um, looking great in the uniform. Looks really good out, like in he the does. Uniform. Like just looks like you want to look, you know. Yeah. Um, but someone commented to me on Twitter because I was I was talking about uh, one of the play the touchdown play to to uh, Salerno, and someone commented like Ryan Barnes, like he's he gets caught flat footed all the time. And boy, he really does. He really yeah. gets, he's just kind of like feeding, feeding cement, you know, that's not a good thing. So um, go ahead. I just Andy. don't think he's, fa- I just don't think he's fast enough. I think that's the main thing. He's just not a guy that um, a- 
athletically, I think that I, I don't think he's a bad. I, I think you see him, he shows up and like will make plays on the ball and stuff when he's around it and he competes hard. He competes really I, I think hard. he struggles with transitions. Yes. I think that's where it is. It's like there's a there's just I think like I watch him run around. It's like, you know, he's not a terrible athlete. I just think the transitions at the top of routes, I think that's where he he has a tough time. And unfortunately, that's a very important it's, part it's of pretty critical to playing like, like, yeah. yeah, so that's uh, part of the problem there. Um, Drew, anyone anyone else that you, uh, you want to highlight? Yeah, I mean, Xavier Watts is a guy we've been seeing do well. Spring Love Xavier he had, Watts. Yeah, Love he had him. a good game. The um, I mean, even just him in, in coverage, I mean, I, I think it, I'm not sure if it was an RPO, but it was one of Buckner's better throws where he kind of hit Tyree yeah. quickly. Um, I mean, Tyree obviously made the catch and it was just a nice play, but like – if he's not in position to make that tackle quickly, that's a huge game with somebody like Tyree. But he, you know, even just seeing little things like that, like where if he's in coverage, like he's not gonna, he can at least do what he needs to there. So um, right, so it's a it's a free run by Tyree against him, right? So no one's jamming him up top. He just gets the head up run, and uh, I thought it was a really good play by Tyree to catch it, right? You know, because uh, Watts is there right at the catch, and he's, mm-hmm. he's ripping at his arms and that sort of thing. So I thought I thought it was a good play for Tyree. Um, yeah, Watts looks good. I, I, I'm, I'm, I feel really good about him and just the, uh, his progress and that sort of thing. So, um, liked him and as you know, I, I, I we, we brought it up before and, and it kind of, and it, it kind of, it's a good transition into like the, the Prince Collie transfer too, because Notre Dame has some guys at linebacker now. I mean, this is, I, I, I was, I was watching them. And this is before the Kali transfer came out, the news. And I was watching. I was like, man, th- there's this is going to happen again because there's only three linebacker spots, uh, two if you want to count the the nickel, right? And so it, it, they have so many guys. You look, you know, uh, Ziegler looks good, Bowen looks good, Osbury looks good, Sneed looks good. I mean, it, it just it, – there's a lot of bodies and a lot of yeah. guys who deserve to play. Jack Kaiser is obviously a good player. Like, J.D. Bertrand's going to play. Uh, Marist is going to play. So many opt- – Preston Zinter, I thought, look, he made some really good plays. He he came on uh, at Steve Angeli. He, he's rolling out. Zinter's coming off to cap the pipe. And, and, Z, and uh, Angeli pumps, and Ziegler jumps. And uh, and Jelly pulls it down, and Z- and and Zinter still makes the play. I mean, I was like, that that is really good, really good from him. So I, I I just think there's so many good options at linebacker for Notre Dame. I mean, that's why Junior Tulihalamaka is playing Viper now. Got to find a role for him. So um, just a ton of talent, and and so it makes it, I understand like where Prince Collie says, I, I can't. These all these guys are going to make a case to get on the field, just like he will. And so it's like you got to go somewhere where there's just not as many bodies, and I think that's what that was. Uh, what, what what was your take on that, Jamie? Uh, yeah, I mean that's my overall take. Like I put it on Twitter, like he had his story is like not that uh, atypical from what a lot of guys what happens because he came and so he was the fourth team rover. Right. Like that was that was his thing in camp. So, like, I remember when seeing that camp when he was a freshman, I'm like, Kali got zero 11 on 11 reps. He got zero. Like he wasn't even anything. So it's like, obviously, he was going to redshirt like it was because 
at that time they had um it was like Kaiser Moala and Isaiah Pryor. They were all ahead of him, right? So it was like, well, he's not going to play. And then all of a sudden, Notre Dame, like uh, Shade Simon, Kurt Shoulder, he was out for the year. And then Maris Leifel, uh broke his ankle, right? So it was like, J.D. Bergman, all of a sudden, you're starting at yeah. will. And it's like, they don't have enough guys at will. So, Cully, you're moving inside. And then he got COVID, and he wasn't – you know, and he, that hurt him. And so he had to make that, make th that switch. And cause he was like a space backer in high school, right? Like he was kind of positionless, you know, I, I would say very similar to what you saw from like Jeremiah Wosukoromoa in, in, if you watch his high school um, film and what he did, very similar guys were there just like off the ball, you know, blitzing lined up all over the place. Like, the best athlete on the team. So you're just going to use this guy wherever, right? He's not like traditional off the ball linebacker making reads and stuff. Right. Um, and then he had to make that transition. And, and you know, the first year he was obvious, like he, he wasn't there. And then the next year, I think he saw progress, but I mean, he got a concussion in camp and it like, it hurt him. So he was like, kind of, you know, uh, stuck there. And then when he played in the game and I know he, you know, cause he mentioned, right. Like he thought he should have been starting after the Navy game. No, I just, the. Well, I think he said he wanted, he thought he should have started that game over junior was what he, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. he probably, I, and I fair enough. I think in mm -hmm. that, in that situation, I think he proved it. Like he was better than junior in that situation. Uh, and he, and he played fine in that, but I, playing against Navy, it's like not playing against it, any other team you're going to face. Right. And I just know that, you know, and then he'll also get, you know, he gets a concussion again this spring. So that kind of obviously hurts what, what him competing there. There's no way that the coaches aren't going to be like, if they thought he was going to be a star, they're not denying that guy, right. They're not denying him. Yeah. Um, I think you just see that everywhere where people just think like, oh, they always go with the veteran guy. It's like, if that was the case, then Bo Bauer would have been the starter at Mike last year. How come he was like, that's not how it works. Right. They don't, they don't do it like that. They're going to play the guys who think they get the best chance to win. And I think with Collie last year, he, although he flashed and showed like, he's a really good athlete. Um, I don't know if he was like a good linebacker yet. You know, like he, he um, just in terms of like, just reads, block destruction, understand the defense, whatever it was. I mean, he didn't really play fast all the time, you know? Like, he certainly didn't look – he didn't look like a guy who was like, man, this guy – I think everyone everyone was always very critical of Maris Leifel and, and somewhat fairly in terms of, like, his production and him being around the football more and whatever. But go back and watch Prince Cully, and he is not around the football very much, you yeah. know, when he played. So I think – that was the kind of thing. And I'm not to say that he couldn't have made a big jump this year and, and been a stud or whatever, but I think getting the concussion, all that, it just wasn't going to happen for him. Um, and like you said, there's all these young guys coming up and I mean, he's got two years of eligibility left. The clock is ticking for him. I mean, you're a guy who's a, you know, a four-star recruit, you know, you were the Buckus the high school Buckus award winner. The guy wants to play in the NFL, right? He wants to play in the NFL. So go somewhere where you got like a clear path to play 
And I, I mean, I hope he does well. I hope he, re, I hope he really does well. I, and I, I think everybody assumes Vandy because one, he's from that area Two, Clark Lee, Nikolzinski, whatever, there's a connection yeah. there. Um, and I mean, I, you know, no shots at Vandy, but shots at Vandy, they don't got good players. Right. So well, they don't have the, they don't have they, Drake Bowen. You know, no, like, they don't. You know, like they don't have might, might start at Vandy as a freshman. Like, yeah, that's like, kind of where they're at compared to Notre Dame's linebackers, right? I, I think yeah. this is the quintessential healthy program transfer. It's not that different from Lorenzo Styles, to be honest. It, it isn't. It, it totally isn't. Like he can play, but he has to go somewhere where they are focused on him. You know, and Notre Dame isn't in position to do that because they have so many good options. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's the heart. Like you say, he wants to play in the NFL. He does, but he also wants to play period. Yes. It's the same thing with Lorenzo styles. Do I want to try to get 20 snaps for Notre Dame or 70 snaps at Vandy? Yeah. It's kind of a no brainer, you know, like it, it's just, that's what I, that's what he wants. Right. And if you're not going to be the guy, you know, if you haven't established yourself like JD Bertrand, here's the other thing, you know, people say, uh, like you said, oh, they always want to play the veterans. How did J.D. Bertrand become a veteran? He went in and balled out as yeah. a backup. Like, that's passed, what happened. He, he passed, passed guys. People. Shane Simon, who had played and started and whatever, he passed him on the depth chart. Right. Right. That and, was and it's his... like, that's who Notre Dame wants. That's yes. their high-ranked guy. Like, he, they yeah. gave him the first chance, and it didn't happen for him. You know, like that's, that's the whole thing. It's like you become a veteran because you earned your way onto the field in the first place. That's how yeah. you become a veteran. So, yeah, I mean, I, everybody gets, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Drew. Oh, I, I was just going to add to, I think with him, if you look at kind of when he came in, obviously that, you know, if he goes to Vandy, he's going to the two guys that recruited him, but also there wasn't really in the class ahead of him. There wasn't any linebackers. I believe, I think Patello was the only technical linebacker and we always knew he'd play on the line. And then, he was really the only linebacker in his class. And then, and even compared to the guys ahead of him, he was kind of different athletically. And then all of a sudden that's not really the case anymore. And he's had injuries and lots of these other guys yeah. catch up. Like he just, things didn't really break the way I'm sure he thought they were going to when he committed. Yeah. But I think that's a great point though. Like they didn't take the, I, cause that was something that I remember, like I went in hard on that they made a mistake, not taking a linebacker in the previous class. And, you know, even in his class, because it was him and Kahano Kia, who they brought in a linebacker and then Kia moved to Viper. So he was the only guy It was like he had a lot of runway to distinguish himself. And, you know, I think partially because of the position move, partially because of just, you know, bad luck with the injuries and all that kind of stuff. He didn't. And that's just kind of the way it worked out. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I think, too, where if you look at where Notre Dame and in terms of the guys who've transferred from Notre Dame, you know, recently say like within the last five years, there's definitely been guys who have transferred and played at other schools and like started and stuff like, so just say like Jamie on Franklin, who was, I mean, he was never going to get on the field at Notre Dame. I mean, he starts for Duke. He's yeah. like an all right player for them. Right. And I don't think that's shocking. Like he was not a bad player or anything like that. He just was never going to play at Notre Dame. Um, and Mike do Treadway was like buried at Notre Dame. He was never going to, he couldn't even get into the rotation. He's two year starter at, at Minnesota, right? Like he was like a key guy for them. Right. Like, so 
there's guys like that, but there's not a lot of guys that transfer from Notre Dame um, because they couldn't get on the field that end up being like, oh, man, Notre Dame really could eat. There's very few of those guys. Like, yeah. it's just, it's not a long lens. Um, and I, I honestly, in recent memory, I, I can't even think of anyone really that there's a guy that you're like, man, they really just, they needed to keep this guy because yeah. none of the guys, and Matt pointed it out, um, Matt, you know, I see Matt Freeman pointed it out in one of the threads. It was like, Notre Dame doesn't lose, like, hasn't lost starters, right? Yeah. And really, like, even just say, if you're going to say, like, defensive line rotation guys, I think Ovia Gufu was, like, one of the only guys, or whatever, but he was not, I mean, he was not going to start. It was like, what are they going to start him over Isaiah Foskey? No, right? So it was like, there's not, like, Justin Ockbron, Aaron Lynch. Yes, he's, like, basically the only guy, but that was obviously for very That was, yeah, that was... That was weird. Yeah, he, yeah. Was that was yeah he was he was obviously gonna like start for Notre Dame. Like yeah. that was weird. That was a weird but, thing. But but even if you said like Lorenzo Styles, you could be like he looked fantastic as a freshman, looked like he was gonna be a star, but it wasn't trending that way for him right now. Yeah. It wasn't like you know, no one was coming out of those two open practices and being like, I mean, Lorenzo Styles is back, like yeah. zero buzz with that. And I think. And I mean, that's the reason why he was like, I could, I'm going to go, go to DB or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. And then it's, if he, in 2020, if he moved to corner, he might've started. Right. But now in 2023, I mean, is he going to be the fourth corner, the fifth corner? Like it's tough. Notre Dame, it's probably their deepest position right now. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll be interesting too, is some of the, cause both Kali and uh, Styles are talented, but like they, you know, need to really like learn and get the experience to, to see what they're going to be. And maybe they can go get that elsewhere. Whereas Notre Dame doesn't really have the luxury of, of like throwing them out there and letting no. them figure it out right now. They have better players that need to play or more experience. So yeah, they could go somewhere else and be good, but that means maybe they just took advantage of a better opportunity. It's not like Notre Dame missed out by not letting styles play over Jaden Mickey or something like that. So. I mean, let's like, look at KJ Wallace, right? Like he was Notre Dame's nickel put him in the Toledo game, didn't, you know, made the one mistake and they didn't see the field after that. He, he goes to Georgia Tech, he gets tons of snaps. He got like 600, 700 snaps last year. You know, like that's good. Like go do that, right? Like that's good for him. And and hopefully that's what happens with Lorenzo Styles, and that's what happens with Prince Collie. Go get a ton of snaps where those snaps aren't available for, for you at Notre Dame because you have, you know, other players of similar ability. That's 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 all it is. Uh, Notre Dame cheat sheet says um, uh, with all three fifth year linebackers eligible for a sixth. Do you see Notre Dame? Who who do you see Notre Dame bringing back? If all three come back for a sixth, does that mean Snead and Osbury? A similar situation to Collie. I'll bet you. If I had to guess, I would say none of them came back. I would think they would all move on because they like they would be in the situation because they are going to seed snaps to these guys because they are like Snead and Osbury. You're not going to be able to hold them off forever. Drake Bowen, you're not going to be able to hold them off. Like you are going to see snaps to them. And and I think they'll probably want to move on. They, they will have had their, they have their degrees, obviously. And so if you're going to lose snaps to a younger player, like you'll probably just, it's like, hey, at some point you're just like, you're done playing football, you know? Um, maybe one of them comes back, but I don't think. Yeah, I was thinking of like one tops, whatever. Yeah. And I don't know, like, I'm not saying like, I know which one would come back or whatever, but um, 
I think if one of those guys left, not, I mean, not right now, obviously they're all going to be back for the fall, but I just, if one of those guys decided in January that they were going to go somewhere, I wouldn't have been shocking or anything yeah. like that because you get it. Like there's just, there's no guarantees. There's no guarantees. And, and I think that, I think everybody assumes it's like, like Al Golden was like, man, I, I love Bertrand, Leofel and Kaiser. Those are my guys. Like, it's like, they don't think that way. How does he have not, guys? He's, he hasn't been on campus yes. long enough to have guys. They're, they're not thinking that way. They're <laughs> thinking like, they want to play best even like Al Golden, even if Al Golden is thinking about like, not just them, you know, doing his job good right now. And obviously he's thinking about that. He's also thinking about like, I want to be like the defensive coordinator for the Eagles or whatever. Right. Like if he wants to do that, he's not doing that by playing like worse players. Like yeah. no one is, no one thinks that way. So I, I don't see um, if, if Notre Dame is going to lose guys, it, and, and they're, you know, they're going to transfer out. It'll probably be a situation like Collie where it's like, maybe these guys just weren't good enough, you yeah. know, and, and people overrated them or they just didn't make the progress that you needed. Um, but at, at the same time, I mean, I don't see that happening. I think, I think there is going to be, um, as you kind of see this year, you're going to kind of see if, if Kaiser Bertrand and Leofal don't have the kind of, if, if they do have great years, those guys are going to try to go to the NFL. And if they don't have great years, they're going to seed snaps. Like you said, uh, great. Yeah. 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 I do think um, if I had to bet on which of those three would come back for a six year, I would think it would be JD Bertrand just based off of his brother, Mike, John Michael played, mm -hmm. got, came to transfer Notre Dame and, and stayed for six years and got two master's degrees and really yeah. took advantage of that opportunity. So just based on, on what he saw his brother do, I could see him even thinking a similar path. And then now his brother's in the minors too. So it's not like he even was just like, Oh, I need the, the education. I'm not going to yeah. go bro. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, one last question and then we'll get going. Um, David Solomon asks, uh, what Notre Dame, uh, what position, if any, in your opinions, do we need from the portal? Michigan has two transfers entering the portal, wide receiver and safety, both recruited to Notre Dame a few years ago. Um, I think safety is definitely one position. They, I mean, I'd be shocked if they didn't bring one in at this point. Um, what do, you, what do you think of RJ Moten, Jamie? I mean, I haven't watched him a lot. Uh, I got to be honest. I don't enjoy watching Michigan play, so I'm not a I'm not a fan. Of I mean, I, he play. lost his he lost his um, job. Yeah, so that's no, I know. Here's the other thing: <laughs> he lost his job, so it's like people are like, "This guy's going to solve our problems." It's like there was a similar kind of thing with Ohio State had a safety last year who was like, "This guy started all twelve or all thirteen games or whatever it was for." Uh, for Ohio state and then USC got him and then he could start at USC in their terrible defense. Right. Like it's like, yeah. I mean, he lost his job. There were guys who were way better than him. Right. That ended up playing like, um, I don't know. I, I, I'm not to saying that Moden might be a guy who, uh, I, I would think that is the type of guy, just a guy who has ex experience that you know, that could possibly play. Right. Uh, without having without having really watched or dove into him, I think that is the kind of guy that they would take for sure. Um, is is a guy who has played at the power five level, started games, has experience. If they think that he can play, uh, so another Thomas Harper 
esque type guy. Yeah, I think that makes sense for them. Um, I I think you know just depth wise, I think. But if I was RJ Moden, I'm probably thinking like, I want to go somewhere I know that I have a clear path to start. Right. right. Like oh, I yeah. think that's why you probably both. So I don't know even if he would be an option. Um, I mean, I, I don't think AJ Henning, uh, who's the other, was the other Michigan transfer. I mean, I don't think, I don't think he's a Notre Dame guy. Uh, so I, I just don't think that that would, I mean, maybe I'm totally wrong, but I don't think he's a guy who really like loved Notre Dame during the process or anything like that. And, um, also like he's a guy who was there a long time and was like a pretty good punt returner, but not really much else. More of a no, gadget guy. Production, really. Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah, sorry, Drew. Go ahead. People throw injuries with him, but he's played in all 13 games last year. He just, yeah, he's been available. And 11, yeah. It wasn't, I yeah, think somebody said that, but I was like, I don't think that's the case. They just didn't use him. That yeah. Much. Um, and so I, I mean, I doubt it with him. I, I would be shocked. Um, I think that safety would probably be the number one spot where they would probably like to take someone if they could, I think depth, I think they could get by fine without it. If everybody stays kind of healthy, they should be fine. Uh, but I think that would probably be the most help if they, if they got someone at safety, um, you know, I, I think really like Notre Dame's in a good spot on the roster with a lot of yeah. a lot of the where they're at. Um, I mean, obviously anyone would take like some elite guys if they ever popped in and wanted to go to Notre Dame. Of course you take them, right? Like if like how the Jordan Addison with with USC last year, of course you would take a guy like that. But I mean, a, a guy like that goes in the portal. He's got a plan and he's getting a fat check to go somewhere, right? So that's yeah. that's one thing to think about. And the other thing is that. Um, like, I just think the roster, in terms of, like, where they're at depth-wise and some of these young guys, I think unless you just don't feel, you know, maybe internally they feel a lot worse about some guys uh, than, than maybe we do. But I haven't heard of that with a lot of that. Like, I think they feel like a guard. So it's like, if you can get a guard, like, you you wouldn't take a, like we said, you wouldn't take a Kane Madden this year. Like, a guy that you're like, oh, he was good at this group of five level it's like no you would take a guy who if all of a sudden say like guy starter for nc state uh you know two-year starter at nc state was like a hot pretty high level player in the acc he goes in the portal and whatever at guard i think that's a guy okay yeah you would of course be interested in if that was uh the case but i don't know how many of those kind of guys are going to be in the portal uh so if that's the case then no you wouldn't take a guard I mean, in terms of defense line, can you, if you got like a war daddy, like, you know, nose tackle, if that kind of guy came along, of course, that'd be a guy you want. But even like, say like Bear Alexander, right, who um, the USC picked up, like Bear Alexander is not a sure thing. Like that is, that is definitely not a sure thing. He, had, he has talent. He's definitely talented. But kind of like Anthony Lucas, where you're like, you're betting on, the future and projection with those guys. But like, also I think both those guys are kind of flakes. So I'm not sure how that's going to turn out. Um, and USC's, it, 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 you, you want to take guys who have, who have played and have, are, are proven, right? Because 
Otherwise, that guy's going to end up in the portal just again. And that and that is just yeah. like a one year thing. Um, so, I mean, would they take a pass rusher, an- another really good pass rusher if that guy came available? Would they take uh, a, a, you know, a, a nose tackle if there was like a really, really good one who has like played? Um, yeah, I think they would definitely explore it. But I also think that they're pretty good rotation wise on, on the defensive line. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, for the most part receiver, I think they feel pretty good about where they're at at receiver too. Uh, I think it would have been big if Caleb Smith was actually a guy and then, cause now I think if there was another Caleb Smith type of guy who was a boundary type, uh, I think they would take him because that's the one spot where you're like, mm, what do you get in with, with, with Deion Colsey? Like you don't know about the level of consistency there at the same time, you might just shift Jane Thomas over to the boundary and he might be the boundary because you, maybe you feel pretty good about Chris Tyree in the slot and Jaden Greathouse in the slot or whatever. Yeah. Right. Like, so I, or Tobias, they shift. Like there's there's different things that I think they can do um, there that I think, um, you know, you can't just take a guy just to take a guy. Because if you bring, if you're just bringing guys in, and I think, I don't think that's good for the culture. Right. Like people understand when you bring in a good player, right? A guy who's like a good guy and a good player. So it's like bringing in like Chris Smith last year at defensive tackle, it's like, you're like, okay, yeah, this guy can play a little bit and he's like a good dude, whatever. Yeah, of course, you, you, that's the kind of guy you would take at any kind of position. There's just not a lot, a lot there though. Like, and I don't think like, I mean, running back, I mean, they're getting help coming back, yeah. right? Quarterback, they definitely don't need a quarterback, right? <laughs> um, tight end, like I understand they were, you know, hurt a lot of things, but like all those guys are coming back. And I mean, Notre Dame's going to have NFL guys at tight end again, right? So they're going to be more than fine there. Uh, you know, it's just and, – and even at linebacker, I mean, we just spent all this time talking about all these young linebackers. So you're going to get somebody else who might, like, screw with their development and might try to push one of those guys away? No. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. Like, I mean, I can understand if there was, like, some all-American guy who was like, I want to go to Notre Dame. And you're like, I can't really say no to this guy. But I mean, that's the chances of that happening are like less than 0.001%. So I think Notre Dame needs more like, you know, all caps elite guys at certain positions. But in terms of where they are at like depth and some of these like the young guys that I think have a chance to be really, really good. um, I think they're probably in a better position now than they've been in quite a while. And I just don't think there's anything that's really like desperate for them. I would, I would even say it's safety. I think it would be like a comforting thing to bring somebody in, but I don't think they're desperate there. Like, I don't don't think it's like total desperation because, you know, you have DJ Brown, you have Ramon Henderson, you have X Watts. um, And then Thomas Harper is a guy you expect to play. And I mean, who knows with, um, with like Minich and, and, Schuler, it's always impossible to say with like a freshman or whatever if those guys can help. Now, um, would you like one more guy? Sure, but I just I just don't think it's like something that where they're like, 
where like say last year at receiver, I think, man, it, it really hurt them not getting somebody. Right. But we're this year, I think if they don't get, if they don't take anyone in this main, and I gotta be honest, I haven't really seen there, there hasn't been a guy that has gone in, in this like April time that I thought like, Oh, like, yeah. You know, like, yeah. you know, something like a name comes up. It's like, like, Oh, I wonder if Notre Dame would be interested. Like, I feel like it'll be a situation where the name comes up and you're like, Oh, well, there it is right there. Yeah. And, and, and then you kind of hear like Notre Dame's in like, they're, they're going to go after. So like guy. Brandon Joseph last year. That was yeah. like, oh, okay, yeah. oh, they're yeah, losing yeah. whatever. I mean, obviously it didn't turn out that great, but but it was just, obvious. Yeah. It was yes. evident. Like, although Notre Dame's going to make a run here. Yeah, yeah, and and I do think this transfer window isn't going to be as good because it's a lot of guys that are like the guys leaving Notre Dame who might be talented, but they're leaving because they saw this spring they, they weren't out. playing yeah. like they were thought they were going to. So I I just don't think it's it's as good as that January, December period or whatever. And and I also think I would kind of wonder even at safety, if they, if maybe there's like a freshman who is transferred for a reason and a guy who could add depth, you know, kind of further down the road might be, be the way to go rather than a guy who they need to count on kind of immediately and just hope those four guys get healthy. And then he adds depth and could develop too. Maybe it's a way they go since they're kind of down. You know, I think 84 scholarships now with the, the transfer. So, yeah, they have some room. Yeah. All right. I think uh, it's a good place to leave it. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, we're going to be back on Thursday. It's going to be a big recruiting show. Uh, Jamie, I'm trying to get Christian on the show. We'll see if he's uh, if he if, see if he's ready to go. He's a busy uh, man. He's a busy a really man. Bu- so look, really busy we're, time. We're going to try either way. Either way. Right Either way, we're gonna we're gonna get his uh, we're gonna get his insights on that. So it's gonna be a big recruiting show on Thursday. So you're gonna want to check us out there. Uh, thank you everyone for tuning in. If you like what you heard, hit the like, hit subscribe button, hit the notification bell. Links in the description below for the podcast. Uh, thanks, Drew, for coming on, man. It was it's always good to have yeah, you thanks, on. Drew. We're gonna we're gonna be on a lot more regularly, and, and it'll be a thing where we're not even thanking you because it's like you're here all the time. So uh, once more, one more time, thank you everyone for tuning in, and we will talk to you on Thursday.